Well, I have to say that barren word really resonated with me very much. Um, I was thinking, oh my goodness, what God does with barrenness. When you look in the word of God and the different times there was barrenness, amazing things happened. And it didn't mean that the person wasn't loved. In fact, Rachel, it says, was loved and Leah was not. Leah had a boatload of kids. And Rachel uh, was loved but barren. <clears throat> so we're loved. Huh? We're loved. Uh, I wanted to share a few thoughts. I'm coming off a cold, so I'm going to be clearing my throats and eating cough drops. So... Um, I wanted to share a few thoughts about the building. We were really called uh, not uh, long ago to really uh, build this house. And that means building the natural house, but it also means building the spiritual house. And so if you go outside, you'll see a picture board, and it really has basically everything that we're doing right now. And so this week, you're going to see a lot of dust coming when you're coming. Things are going to be taken out, broken down. Walls are going to be tumbling down. May that be prophetic. And um, lots of things are going to be happening. And the nursery we just did, and it looks awesome. I want to become a little baby again. I mean, the carpet is just plush. Did you get to see it, Sunny Taylor? Because I know you guys hang out in there. Your baby's going to be excited. Um, So actually, we actually, for the first time, have padding. Gloria, you'll love it. So when the kids fall, uh, it's going to feel different. <clears throat> so we're really excited. I mean, it's just really mod. It's very modern. And it's very welcoming. And you know what? It's very clean. So we're really excited about this. But you know, whenever God speaks to you and he gives you promises and he wants to do something, there's, believe me, there's always opposition. I just wish as believers that we could understand that that is just part of the package of Christianity, that opposition is very much a part of um, living your life for God. So we're going to be doing the toddler room. The um, nursery has little, it's going to have little birdies and flowers and trees, and it's just super cool. It's not even all the way done. I'm just, I'm jazzed. Me and Andrea were like Chip and JoJo, on Fixer Upper, I think we, you know, it was like we were, we really made it happen. So the toddler room is going to be, you know, we're thinking of going with some wild animals and, well, not wild, we don't want to scare the children, but animals and, and, and do a, another theme and, you know, put the word of God all over in there so our little toddlers get that word into their little hearts. And then we're going to really, we're going to um, enlarge the lobby And we're going to make a large gathering hall, gathering room, where we can gather, where, again, we started the church. This room in in the church used to have round tables, and we did lunch every week after church. I think we're going back. We're going back to uh, that model of fellowship because we are called to fellowship. We're called to be involved in each other's lives. So there's going to be a... um, a, uh, a garage door, glass garage door that's going to separate a classroom out that the county can come and have access to. So a lot of really, really cool things happening. But um, we definitely need help. If anyone's not working tomorrow and they're strong and they have muscles, um, Freddie, you're back. I heard you're good. I heard you're really strong and you work out and do stuff. Uh, We need help. We need workers. We need prayer. 
We need givers. So we need some stuff to be happening because this is a partnership. We're sort of crossing over to the other side. My message is uh, take us to the other side. So corporately, this is a place we're gonna ta- we want to take everyone to the other side, not just the leaders where we're going over to the other side and we're leaving all you behind. We want you to feel invested in what God's doing and be excited because God would not tell us to build if he wasn't going to provide. And you know, I think of Noah. Oh boy, did he look like a fool. Building, building, building. People thought he was nuts. You know, there wasn't any rain. But I tell you, they stopped thinking he was nuts when the floods began to pour. And I feel like when God speaks a word to you, our job is to be obedient to it. It's not to look at the natural. It's not to look at the flesh. It's not to see who's here, who's not here. It's not to see what's happening in people's lives. It's to keep your eyes focused on Jesus and the promises that he gives you. And so that's where we're at right now. Um, I'm really, really excited. I just feel like... um, I just feel like it's time, and it's taken a lot longer than we thought, and that's because of opposition. And that's okay, because God's timetable is a lot different than our timetable. And that's something we have to understand in the things of God, is God doesn't always do things the way we think they should be done. Sometimes they take longer, sometimes it takes shorter. But we want to be submitted to God's timetable and not our own in life, in general. Um, we also are going to be establishing an evangelism team, and I have the, the sign-up sheet in the, in the other room. Um, we're going to have a kickoff and a lunch at our house uh, at the end of May uh, because we are going to get very intentional about hitting the streets of Hollister, San Benito County, and we are going to be training. We are going to be teaching. And Andrea, close your ears. We're going to be touching. Um, touching has a bad rap, you guys, but I'm telling you, I'm getting over that word of touching. We always think of touching as, you know, weird or abusive, and I, don't be surprised if I start reaching out and touching you, because I'm asking God to do a new thing in me, and releasing me to, um, meaningful touch, because you know what? That is a way that we can love each other, and you know I'm not talking about being weird with guys and girls where it's it's over-hugging and, you know, caressing. I'm talking about (laughs) just, you know, you know where your heart is. And I do think we have to be careful because, you know, a lot of women, it's scary. It's a scary thing, you know, and they're coming in, they want safety. But meaningful touch is important. It's just important to feel loved. At five years old, I stopped letting anybody give me any kind of meaningful touch till I got saved when I was 19. So my mom was never allowed to touch me. So um, that's how foreign that is to me. It's not natural. It's not that I don't love or care about people. Um, so we're going to do this team. And, you know, I was thinking, it's so interesting because in the scripture it talks about how God did this banquet and he invited everyone to come to this banquet and his folks didn't show up for the banquet. And I just think about how church is this day. There was this excuse. There was that excuse. There was all these different things happening. People just weren't showing up. And it says that God really likes his house to be full. And he said, you know what? That's okay. You guys go out into the highways and the byways, and you begin to compel people to come in because I long for my house to be full. And so you know what? That is what we're going to do. That's what we're feeling called to do evangelism. This is a missions church. It's missional. 
Um, there is something about getting out in this world because people are extremely broken. And I don't care if you're in a three-piece suit or you're in the gutter uh, behind Taco Bell. You can be just as broken in both places. And so God isn't limited to who he, he touches. He touches the up and outers and he touches the down and outers, but he touches. So if you have a stirring and you feel like you're that arm of the church, because evangelism is an arm. It's not the body. It's an arm. It's an extension. It's a five-fold ministry call. And not everybody is called to be an evangelist. But if you feel that stirring in your heart and you say, I want, I got to get out there. I can't just be hanging out in the pews right now. You know, some people are called to be in the church Um, strengthening it, equipping. You know, there's teachers, apostles, pastors, evangelists, prophets, and they're all to equip and build up the church. But if the evangelists don't, that arm does not get out there and begin to, to touch, then there's no one for that whole group to begin to equip, right? So... Um, I would prefer to have all new believers with all the messiness, messy, 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 come into this church than people who um, go and church hop constantly. Much more. Because their minds are so fresh and they're so hungry for God that it's just, I need God, I'm desperate, and they're not looking at, you know, what's happening on the platform, what's happening in your life. They're looking at what's happening in their own hearts because they're so desperate for God. So anyway, those things are going to be happening. If you want to sign up for evangelism, please do. I'm really excited about that. Um, we're going to do a lot of different stuff. And some's going to really stretch us. <clears throat> so um, I was thinking of that ver- this verse last night. It was in, it's in 2 Timothy 1.7. It says, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power and love, and a sound mind. And I tell you, our minds are so troubled, and our minds can take us so many different places. And I just feel like God needs to get hold of our minds, our belief systems, our mindsets, and deliver us in the area of our mind. Bruce's mom fell this week. She's 90 years old, and she's in the late stages of Alzheimer's, and so we had to put her into a home. She needed to be put into a home in San Jose. And um, my sister-in-law was chuckling because she told me this story. Total chaos. I mean, this place was packed to the gills. And here's my little humble, well, she's gotten a little feisty now with her Alzheimer's, but um, sweet grandma, gammy, gammy, so sweet, Always just a stay-at-home, submitted wife, and never, but now she's fighting for something. But her mind isn't there. Her mind is gone. Her mind, she thinks she's, you know, there. she thinks she's maybe in jail one day. Um, Bruce could be, he might be a worker coming into her house. Um, her daughter who takes care of her is an old man who's out to get her. I mean, you know, that's what your mind, when you have Alzheimer's, that's what can happen. Dementia affects the mind. And so she's sitting in this home. She's in a three-bed room, and all the TVs are going like crazy. And you go in, and this one lady has a court show on. So all you're hearing is, he murdered her. And, and she's going, 
who got murdered. I mean, because she's not, you know, and it was like, and it was really a lot going on. <clears throat> but Karen was laughing because all of a sudden, with this lady who is not there in her mind anymore, in this sweet voice, in complete clarity, she said, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and seek my face, I will heal their land. She began, a scriptures began to, to rise up because you know what? That's the thing. The word of God is eternal. That's why you got to get it into your spirit. So your mind can be blown. And I know what about a blown mind. I had a blown mind. Your mind can be blown. But if you have the word of God in your spirit, there's a place that you can draw from that is supernatural. And so I just thought that was very dear. And to hear Karen sort of chuckle, I mean, it just encouraged us. And she was sort of preaching to that one lady who had the court things on. She was not happy with her. So anyway, fear is tormenting. How many know that fear is tormenting? I know what it's like to be under fear, the bondage of fear and anxiety and worry. And um, it can eat you up and spit you out. And it's not easy to be delivered from a spirit. This, they called it a spirit of fear. God has not given you a spirit of fear. It is not always easy to be delivered from a spirit of fear. Sometimes fear is connected with traumatic experiences from when you were young, from uh, different things that have happened, from successes, from um, consistent failures, consistent setbacks. Fear can come in from experiences in our life. And a spirit of fear can come into our lives. And I just feel that we need definitely to see God take us to the other side of fear. And so I'm talking about take us to the other side. God wants to take us to the other side. And that's to the opposite place that you are stuck. The place that you need to see changed. Sometimes we're in church and we're doing the same thing over and over and something in, in us is crying out and says, something's got to be different. Something's got to change here. I'm not talking about circumstances change all the time. What has to change is that something has to be within us. It has to rise up from within us. And we need visitation and we need experiences with God that make us where we know that we got to the other side. It's different. I've been changed. And so I want to talk a little about that. I mean, from fear to love. You know, perfect love casts out fear. When you're not perfected in love, when you don't understand the love of God, you're, not, you're walking in fear a lot of times because fear has punishment. From sorrow to joy. How many need to cross over that area? Uh, from hurt to healing. From unbelief to trust. From despair to hope. These are places that are a voyage. They are destinations that we must pursue with God and get over and conquer and find freedom. 2 Corinthians 12, 9 says, My grace is sufficient for you because my strength is perfected in your places of weakness. Grace can take us over to the other side. Grace can take us over. It transports us. I looked up the word transport, and it actually means to be carried. Sometimes we can't walk to the other side. 
Sometimes we're trying to even crawl to the other side. Sometimes we see the other side at a distance, a promise that we've had from years ago that never seems to be fulfilled. And grace comes along and says, I'm going to transport you to the other side. It's a bridge. Without that bridge, we cannot get to the other side. We can try in our self-efforts. We can try in our religion. We can try going to church. We can believe in God. We can be goody good people, which we're not, but we can think we are. We can try all these different ways to get to the other side, and we end up stuck. We're in a rut because Jesus is the bridge. Amen? He's the bridge. He put his arms out, and he said, cross on over. I have given a place of crossing, and it's only going to come, and it's only going to be through me. So I want to talk a minute about orphans because I felt like God put this on my heart. I was reading a, um, I like little devotion books, and I had just gone and seen Heidi Baker. If anyone's seen Heidi Baker, the lady is so cool because she's a doctor, but she's just, she's so ADD and full of the spirit. She's just all over the place. And I can track with her. I, I mean, I'm just digging it. She's just so like, she gets off track easy. She's, you know, laughing. She's crying. She's, she, but she's, her life's given over to the missions, to the kingdom of God. Her life is given over. This girl grew up in sunny South California in affluence. So she lives her life in Mozambique. And she goes and she looks for kids on the street. And she, her favorite place is the dump, the garbage dump. In fact, she sleeps on the, she slept on the garbage dump until they kicked her out. The church they built is at the garbage dumps. Now they have hundreds and thousands of churches and pastors, but her heart cry is for that nation. It's a third world nation. And so she walks along the streets and she sees a child that's been raped, which is common in this country. She sees a child who, if they don't eat that day, they will die in that country. She sees the deformed where the parents take the kids and they basically throw them onto the dump because you're deformed, so we don't want you anymore. We don't care about you. You're not perfect. And she goes and she walks the streets and she uh, goes in those areas And she looks at these kids and she says, I want you. I want you. I want you. And so she has hundreds of kids. And they were all orphaned, but now they're adopted. She adopts them. And I thought, the thought came to me, I think we have people in this church that feel like orphans. They're they're not in a third world. We're not in a third world country, but you can feel orphaned in your own environment. You can feel not wanted. You can feel alone. You can feel handicapped. You can feel um, abused. And nobody might know that. But you sit there and you say, my greatest desire and my greatest longing is that maybe I could be wanted. I could be cared about. And I just felt like God said he wants to come and adopt some people. That adoption is a really cool thing. Because you know what? Adoption has to do always with being chosen. It's always about being picked. It's always about being wanted. And we need to know in our heart of hearts that God wants to adopt us. 
He wants us to become his own. In fact, he says it so clearly in, the, in um, that verse, Romans 8, 15. We have now received the spirit of adoption, and we can know him as Abba Father. Adoption, it is the heart of the gospel. And I just feel God wants to walk into the orphanage of our lives. And I tell you, he wants to get a hold of you. And maybe you've never had that tug in its fullness. But I tell you, if you just go to him and say, I'm a little child. He says, come to me as a little child. No one can enter the kingdom of God in this. They're like little children. Come to me like a little child and just say, I need you, daddy. Maybe you never had a dad. You know, some people are really orphaned. I'm an orphan, for real. Um, but some people are spiritually orphaned, where they just don't know how to get hold of God that way. And I just feel like God wanted to encourage us. Seek him as a father. Seek him as a father. Um, years ago, I was in this church, and there was a, someone who was here, and I saw the most unusual word picture I saw a car, and it was trying to move forward because it was trying to get to the other side. And this person's personality, the car fit them pers- perfectly. It was like this roll Jeep, you know, like, hey, let's go have some fun. But they were stuck in a rut. I tell you, they were stuck. And the more they tried to spin their wheels, guess what happened? The more stuck they became. But then all of a sudden, I saw the Holy Spirit, and he put some boards down to create attraction so that the car could move again. And I feel like sometimes we get, we need to get over to the other side. We might avoid it. We might try to go around it. We might try to run from it. But God wants to take us through it, through it. <clears throat> we can't do it by ourselves. We need him. We need his supernatural help and support because with God, all things are possible. By ourselves, I was talking to someone recently, in fact, this morning, and I was saying, Satan is stronger than we are. Satan is stronger than you are. But God is stronger than Satan. Okay? Us alone, he's stronger. Us with God, he's wimpier. Okay? Doesn't have the same power. But I felt like God wants to provide boards. He wants to provide. Think of yourself as a little car. What kind of car do you want to be? Let's just go there. You know, maybe a sports car. Maybe I used to love Volvos. Um, You know, maybe you have a special car. But you know what? It doesn't matter how beautiful your car is outwardly. If it's stuck, it's stuck. Okay? And so for us to move forward, I feel like God is saying... He wants to put boards under our wheels, supernatural boards that we can then move forward. And so I want to go and I want to talk about Luke 8, 22 and 27 because it tells us a story about going over to the other side. It says, one day Jesus said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side of the lake. Jesus said to them, let us go to the other side of the lake. So we know this story So they got in the boat, they set out. Now Jesus had promised them that they were going to get over to the other side. I always fixate on the fact that they came into a huge storm, a squall. 
There was a great opposition. They were in danger. That's where I always go in this story and that Jesus was sleeping and he felt like they were not being cared for. Does he even care? He's sleeping. So that's where my mindset has always been. And it says they sailed. Jesus fell asleep. A squall came down on the lake so that the boat was swamped and they were in great danger. The disciples cried out, Master, Master, we're going to drown. Jesus wakes up, rebukes the wind and the raging waters, and all is calm, and he asks. So this is, this is where he asks them, where is your faith? Why do you think Jesus was asking them where their faith was? He was asking them where their faith was because he had already promised them they were going to the other side. So it really didn't matter how big those waves got, okay? It didn't matter how severe the opposition Jesus already promised, prophetically, he spoke to them and he said, I'm taking you to the other side. So when they got all weird and flipped out and scared, what did Jesus do? He didn't say, oh, let me show you. I'll speak to the waves. We're going to have a calm sea. This is, this is the emphasis here. I am God. I can do these things. Jesus was so not there. He did not care about that. What he cared about was their faith. He cared about their faith because that is what the devil wants in our life. You guys, what he is after, he's, he, you know, he's not after all the things we think he's after. He's after your faith because if he can get your faith, he can take you out. Says he comes to kill, steal, and destroy. What do you think he wants to kill, steal, and destroy? Your faith in God, your ability to trust God. Unbelief easily comes in. And especially when you begin to come into crisis and opposition, and you will, and we do, and we are. It is part of our walk. But as we hang together, we support each other, we assemble together, we talk together, we stay strong together, we love together, the enemy cannot touch that. That's why he tries to peck people off. Huh? He pecks them off one by one. And I've seen it over and over. And anytime there's a pecking, I'll tell you what happens. It is not long. You see that person out in the world, in bondage, lost again. It's nothing that they don't even know it's happening. It's so subtle. It's just they got away. They got away. And that's just what happens. And it's very sad and very hard. So um, it's interesting when Jesus stepped ashore he was met by a demon-possessed man. And I don't know why I sort of really, I have a real care for this demon-possessed man. Um, when I was thinking about him uh, and, his, and his condition, you know, he was a cutter. He lived in the stones, so he lived in death. You know, he lived among the stones. He lived alone. But he was very abusive, and he was a cutter. You know, and you know what cutters do? They cut They do destructive things to relieve themselves of pain. And this man was very desperate. But he couldn't even handle the presence of Jesus because he said, why have you come to torment me before my time? So this man was so full of demons that he felt tormented in the presence of God. So these guys, when they came over to the other side, they were getting ready to see an incredible restoration. A miracle was going to take place. And God sets that man free. And so what an incredible thing. So when God plans to take us somewhere, 
he plans to bring a purpose into where he's taking us. He doesn't just take us on wild goose chases. Huh? He has a plan and a purpose for each one of us. So, you know, I notice when we have prophetic conferences, there's a lot of promises that are given and prophetic promises. And if you will only understand and realize, that is just the beginning. You just got in the boat right then, okay? You got into the boat. Now, believe me, to get to the other side of that prophetic promise and that prophetic word, you are going to have some storms, okay? You're going to think Jesus fell asleep. You're going to get to the other side sometimes and say, why is a demon-possessed man greeting me? Huh? I mean, it's just part of that package. But, you know, I think we've got to begin to hold on. It is not easy. We need to tell each other. You know, I've heard people say in... Just come to Jesus, and life is going to be wonderful and great. Oh, we are doing such a great service. Just come to Jesus, and you are going to go through hell. Hell. But you know, Jesus went through hell, and he came back up. Okay? And that's where we'll end up. Okay? But I think we, we, give, we soft pedal the gospel, and then people are so disappointed and discouraged. Oh, my goodness. I came to Jesus. What happened? My life's falling apart now. Oh, yeah, does it fall apart? Oh, God longs for it to fall apart. In fact, he wants it to die. <laughs> hmm? So, um, you know, when I was young, and I've talked about this, so I'm not going to go into as much detail, I never saw myself being married. Oh, no, I'm not going to be married. I'm not going to do marriage. Uh, I was so devastated by divorce that I had made a vow. I'm not going to need anybody in that way. I will never be married because marriage means divorce, and that is just way, way too painful. And I don't ever want to even need anybody because if you need somebody, they're going to hurt you. They're going to hurt you, and they're going to burn you, and it's going to hurt really, really bad. And so I always was very, very independent, very manipulative. I went to every party I could. I surrounded myself with people. My friends had a fit because... They'd all call me. They'd want me at the party because I loved to party. And I would go, hmm, who has the best party? I told them all I'd come. And then I would think, where's the best party happening? Because I've got to be at the very best party. But it was always trying to fill that emptiness. And those are those kind of things Bruce was talking about where we compensate because we're empty inside. And so um, I was invited to go see Billy Graham at the Kingdom in Seattle. I wasn't planning to have my life changed that night at all. I had the most incredible, overwhelming experience at that Billy Graham crusade. As I was coming down those bleachers, because I began to respond because the Holy Spirit was so tugging on my heart, I couldn't stop crying. And I had never really cried much. I couldn't stop crying, and I couldn't stop feeling loved. And I couldn't stop feeling clean and pure. And I couldn't stop being amazed that God was real. I, I grew up, I was Catholic. And everyone has a different experience being Catholic. I knew there was a God. I knew there was Jesus. I saw him on the cross. I didn't know God and Jesus were one. I didn't know Jesus was the way to God. And now all of a sudden it started to make sense. 
all because of one response. One response. I think sometimes we try to work. We think, you know, I've never seen a fish get cleaned up in the water before it's caught. Huh? Oh, let me get ready for the hook. No. What happens? <laughs> They're dirty, old, stinky, smelly fish. And somehow they, that fish gets hooked. And then when it gets hooked, a process begins. It begins to get cleaned up. And some of us eat it for dinner. I had salmon last night. It was delicious. Okay, I'm getting off track. Okay. <laughs> so anyway, um, I felt this great, great love. So now I want to talk a minute about a promise. God spoke to me that night when I was at Billy Graham, and he told me, you're going to get married, and you're going to never know divorce. Out of the blue, it was as strong, it was part of my salvation experience because he was renewing my mind, and he was transforming a belief system that was very strong. So years went by, and I got married, and I had the promise from God, and I was so excited ready to start life married, we're dedicated to God, very dedicated to God, very dedicated to each other. And on our honeymoon, we're in Yosemite, and I've shared this, and Bruce is cutting salami with a knife, and all of a sudden, my reality shifted. And I was a 16-year-old girl watching three of my friends knifed and one murdered this close to me high on drugs, hallucinating drugs. And seeing the whole picture of everyone's, all their, I know Jack understands this, if anybody, all that's in them on the outside, holding it, screaming, and chaos all over the place. And watching this happen. And having a lot of those different things in my childhood. And what I did is I tucked them away. And I said, those are going to never come up. I'm a Christian now. I'm a good girl. I take every single thought captive. And I, I don't, I, I'm not that person, and I wasn't. But God needed to get to some places with me. And I tell you, that night, in, we're on our honeymoon, and I'm having Bruce. I'm speaking in the spirit and in English, not talking to him, because now he's a killer. You guys, this was very, very real. I don't know if anyone's ever had, I guess, craziness. I have. Um, you'll relate to this. So I, it was so real. It was so real. And sometimes things have to get really real before we get healed. God can take you back to a place and make it so real because he's trying to get to a place to make it unreal. So I had a lot suppressed. I had a whole life of damage suppressed. And I get married to this man who's never experienced anything like this. And he's thinking, what have I married? Okay. But I had a promise. And I had opposition. Talk about opposition. I knew we were to be married. I had a promise from God, you will be married, you will not know divorce. And I was in torment. I was in pain. We would go out in ministry and I would come. We would start to drive home to our apartment and I'd start shaking. And praying in the spirit and talking to God saying, please protect me from him. Please, oh gosh, can I go into my apartment? And my body would literally be shaking. And that would go on at times. Sometimes there was grace, and that wouldn't be the case. And then the memories began to come because 
God had to make me in a safe, committed relationship of marriage to begin to let things get really healed. And it was really scary. And Bruce had to hear things and pray for me. And he had to know things about me that, you know, normally good little honeymooners don't talk about, you know. But I'm saying this to say this. If God speaks to you and he gives you a promise, don't get discouraged when it gets tough. Don't get discouraged when it gets rough because he is able. He is able. And so I stayed in it 35 years so far, going on 36. I have stayed in it, and it's not like it's hard anymore because God carried me out of it, okay? That's another part of staying in something. You stay in it till you get carried out of it. You don't move. Everyone moves themselves when things get uncomfortable. But if the other person's willing, you know, I mean, it takes two to tango, so it takes two to be committed. But if the other person's willing, you stay in it till God takes you out of it, okay? And he is able to take us out of it. And then one day, after years, literally years of contending for my life with God and in marriage, something happened. And I realized I crossed over to the other side. I crossed over. It's not like that anymore. So I'm going to move along here. Um, I wanted to talk about a few, few places in Scripture where there was a great crossing over. Um, Moses was called to lead the children of Israel out of Egypt, and he saw the Red Sea parted, the whole nation being delivered out of bondage, God parted the waters and they walked on dry land because that was a, a symbol to never go back, never go back. But Moses did not cross over into the promised land. And I just think that's one of the saddest situations. Moses spent 40 years with a stiff-necked group of people, okay? He was watching them murmur. He was watching them complain. They were never grateful. They despised authority, never to believe that God was able to meet their needs. That's what Moses was leading. That was the group of people that he was leading. And then one day the people put a demand on Moses in Numbers 28, and it says, the Lord instructed Moses, take the staff, you and Aaron, gather the assembly together, speak to the rock before their eyes, and it will pour out water. When Moses gathered the people, he did not speak to the rock. He didn't speak. And he struck the rock twice, not just one little streaking, beating, twice streaking. Two times he beat that rock. The rock represented Jesus. The rock represented God. I just wonder if he had been so affected watching those people, hearing their complaints, and that something just broke on Moses. After 40 years, he was that close, you guys. He was that close to the promised land. Something might have just broken him in that environment. And man, it's like he just wasn't able to. And so instead of speaking words, he demanded with his actions, and God was not pleased. God was not pleased. Joshua 1.4, I will let you see the promised land with your own eyes, but you will not cross over. What a bummer to sort of see something from afar and not be able to get it. Um, so Moses laid his hands on Joshua, and the baton was passed to Joshua. Joshua also crossed over with the children of Israel. The ark went before them in the Jordan. And once again, the nation crossed over on the dry ground. Now, the first crossing was the Red Sea, which represented deliverance from bondage. 
The second crossing was going into the promised land. You have to have the first crossing in your life to experience the second crossing, okay? You have to. So you, you need to, if you haven't crossed over in deliverance from bondage, contend for that because that's when then you can come into the promised land. Moses led and brought deliverance. Joshua conquered and possessed. So there's a spirit of Joshua that we can walk in, but we have to make sure that we, we experienced walking over, crossing over um, that first place of deliverance. Um, Joshua, you know, Jesus and his disciples found a demon-possessed man and a miracle. Joshua found a land that was promised, but it had giants. Um, I just think we can... We can't do anything to cross over on our own, but we can seek God. You guys, we can get serious about seeking God, about coming to church even, about maybe reading our Bibles. I mean, we can say, I want to I submit to God. I want to really do this thing. I had a Christian who was very, very discouraged about something in their life, and they said to me, you know, I'm not going to really go for God at all because if he wants me, he'll come for me. And he says, you know, there's a scripture. It says no one can come to the Father unless, no one can come to the Son unless the Father draws them. So I'm going to wait to be drawn. I'm going to wait to be drawn. And I'm thinking, you're going to be waiting a long time here. Uh, and, and, and I said, we need to stop waiting. We need to stop waiting. Draw near to me. He says, draw near, near to me, and then I will draw near to you. Seek me, and you will find me. You will find me. So God's wanting to take us to the other side. He wants us to leave the baggage. He wants us to leave the past, the failure, the regret, the sin, and follow him. I have a place of promise for you, but you must be willing to face your giants. Sometimes our minds are a real tool that holds us back. We need our minds renewed. If you don't pray anything else, start praying, God, renew my mind, renew my mind. So we need a change in our belief system. And so in closing, we need our faith restored and what God can do if we let him. So maybe your car's stuck today in the mud and you've been spinning and you're in a deeper rut and you know something's have to change, but you don't know how to make it change. God is offering planks. He's passing out planks today. Some boards to go under your tires to give you traction to move forward. And I want to close with the scripture because I love the scripture. It says, do not fear. We talked, we started about fear. Do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. Again, adoption. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not consume you. If in your heart at all there's a place you know you've got to cross over, cross over to the altar today. It is literally one minute to 12. And so um, we are not constrained by time. If we want God to move in our hearts, we can take time to come and have prayer. So I want to close and just pray. Father, we, we really do want to cross. We don't want to be stuck. We don't want to look at things and think they'll never change, that it's going to always be like this. We're asking you to do something in our hearts. Help us to understand you. 
Help us to know you in a way that we've never known you before. Help us to hear your voice. Lord, you said your sheep hear your voice, and you know them. We pray for just a greater ability to hear you, and we pray for a willingness, and we pray that you would help our minds to believe right. And we ask it and thank you for your love and grace. In Jesus' name. Amen.